if you've ever listened to a podcast or read one of my books and thought, I wish I knew if that was the right thing for my body, or how could I make that work with my schedule and responsibilities, I've got something for you. A new workbook by me coming out late spring. My Perfect Movement Plan, the Move Your DNA all-day workbook, is for your specific situation because you are going to finish writing it. When you're finished, you will have a guide to a personalized movement diet that nourishes your body in the ways that you need it to. My Perfect Movement Plan is available for pre-order now, and if you pre-order from the publisher, there's a bonus, a free ticket to an upcoming online workshop, Spot the Missing Micronutrients. It's a 90-minute class where you'll learn about five often missing movement micronutrients, and these are subtle movements of the body. In this case, we'll be looking in the shoulders and the hips and the feet that are often tied to pain or injury in those areas. In this workshop, I'll also show you how to supplement with exercise vitamins. I'm putting air quotes around vitamins and how to adjust your regular movement so exercise supplementation isn't as necessary. Pre-order now at mpmpbook.com. That's my perfect movement plan, mpmpbook.com. And you'll automatically receive a bonus class ticket. But wait, there's more. Um, I'm going to be drawing three names from these pre-orders and these peeps are going to get a small group session with me to go over your perfect movement plan. So you can ask me questions and we'll brainstorm your specific situation on a Zoom call together. I cannot wait. So head over to mpmpbook.com for all the details on the book and the bonuses. Read through the frequently asked questions, order the book, get the class, and then get moving. I'm so excited to share this workbook. It's the missing puzzle piece you've been waiting for, and it's so very actionable. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Hey there, this is Brock Armstrong, Podcast Ninja, and I'm here to tell you that this September 30th is International Podcast Day, and that Katie Says has been nominated for a very fitting award, the Gratitude Award for Changing Lives for the Better Through Podcasting. Now this award is not won by who has the most listeners, but rather who has the most positively affected listeners. So, if you want to help Katie Says win, all you have to do is leave a written review on iTunes or Stitcher about how this podcast has positively affected your life. Make sure you get your written review in before September 26th, before the voting ends. Now, thanks for your help, everybody, and enjoy this episode. It's the Katie Says Podcast, where movement geek Danny Hemmett joins me, biomechanist Katie Bowman, author of Move Your DNA, for discussions on body mechanics, movement nutrition, natural movement, and how movement can be the solution to modern ailments we all experience. Danny. Today's topic is something I've just been itching to talk about, skin. <laughs> Skin. I've been bugging you about skin. You got me interested in skin. But the deal is when we put it out there for skin questions, we got a whole bunch of hair questions too. Yeah. You know, I think this show, this show came about because um, 
I posted on Facebook this, um, uh, I think it was a science direct article about how skin and hair communicates with the brain. And I think there was a lot of response to that, right? Isn't that where all these come from? That's where they come from. And it was a great article. Yeah. Fairly short. That must have just been the little, what do you call it? abstract of it, but it was awesome. Yeah. And yeah. It had a lot of people talking. I mean, I, I always wanted us to talk about skin and calluses and stuff like that, but like, like you said, it's not, it's all connected. You can't separate the skin and the hair. And this article really highlighted a lot of that. Yeah. They, yeah, they definitely work together. And, um, I think in move your DNA, we, I talked about loads to the skin, right? So like there's, there's this idea of movement, big body parts, but your big body parts are just a bunch of smaller body parts like lumped together and skin is skin is definitely one of those and i think i've written a couple blog posts about it but skin is i think probably the most overlooked body part when it comes to describing human movement like we'll talk about open chain and closed chain and and force production like things like walking we would say oh walking you know uses your ankles and your knees and your hips, but all of that passes through or should be passing through the skin. And it's just, it's just a major, it's a major body part missing from the discussion of movement and unnatural movement. So the skin show, the skin show, skin and hair, skin and hair, skin and hair. Skin and hair. Well, right. Because uh, you can't, all the questions like skin and hair are so directly linked that um, I think we'll just try to talk about them together as much as possible. That sounds cool. And I just kind of want to know, because you've, you've gotten us all interested in so very many things, when did you, and you've been talking about skin, but kind of just on the periphery for a long time. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of got you, like what, what made you think, hey, and start following this thread? Um, you know, I, when I was writing Every Woman's Guide to Foot Pain Relief, I was doing research for a section on calluses, you know, so calluses are a pain in people's, well, I was going to say their butt, but their feet, right? A lot of people like have this, like they find them problematic. And, and Please write um, in if you do have a butt callus because we want to hear about I, it. We need to talk about this. <laughs> and you can even send a picture or maybe not. <laughs> just, just, send, just, send, just send an audio description, please. <laughs> Keep it clean for the kids. Um, and there was this like little tidbit, which was calloused skin is more vascularized than non-callous skin, meaning that it's better circulated. And then like, that was such an aha moment for me. It was like, oh, you know, these are, we, we are so unused to these small areas of extreme circulation and, and robustness, right? It's healthier. It's, it's, it's stronger. It's thicker. Um, that we cut it off because amidst the other weaker parts of our body, it feels uncomfortable, right? So if you only have a callus that's the size of a pencil eraser and you're stepping on it over and over again, it becomes a place of heightened pressure, which is what makes it uncomfortable. Of course, a callus being in one small spot on your foot because of the way your shoe rubs is different than a whole foot calloused because of walking over ground and outside with lots of friction. So it was just it was just a perspective shifting moment for me to recognize that a callus was not a medical problem that needed to be cut away. The problem was the weakness all around the callus and that we should strive to bring our body up to this better vascularized place. So I think that's when I started thinking about skin going, oh, you really can't have a push off, right? To move forward, that skin traction 
is the first force that allows all of the other joints and muscles to work. So that was it for me. And that's so I'm no science genius. And that the whole thing about the callus being like really healthy or really vascularized blew my mind because that didn't make any sense because you just think because we cut it off, you think, well, it's dead, it's useless, it's harmful. But I mean, that's just a huge shift in yeah. thinking about a callus. Well, and just, you know, when you, you're all shot, we're all shot, right? So it was like, what is this? What is this pee? I'm a princess. What is this pee in my shoe? And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a place where you have mechanically loaded more and the body is adapted by actually becoming more, generating more skin to an area. And so therefore you have more vascularization because you have more tissue to keep healthy. And anyway. Oh, um, man, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, it was just a reverse. It was it was good for me, and then I started thinking about hands, like right hand skin hanging, swinging. If if a lot of people listening to our other shows are like, oh, I'm going to start hanging and swinging and tree climbing, or or even if you're like already lifting in the gym or whatever you're doing, you're like, it's my hands that give out first, right? It's it's the hands. If you go to start hanging from a monkey bar, that that's usually going to fail first. It's your hands that let go because this the skin isn't strong enough to carry the burden of your weight because you simply haven't done it very much it hasn't thickened overall resulting in the ability to use more shoulder and arm muscle because the the weakness of the skin doesn't allow you to continue to go on and that's something I kind of hope we talk about is that that all over callus instead of the princess and the pea yeah, right. Think because I I would venture that not many people are familiar with what that feels like. Um, yeah, I personally don't have them, but I felt them on another human, and it was the most interesting. It was just it was very interesting. I mean, it's not a lump or a bump; it's like an all over thing. Yeah, from like using thin- his his body. Yeah. Well, we're not talking butt calluses, are we? Who is this person that you've been feeling their calluses? Is this your husband? <laughs> no, no. Your child? No, is one of your teachers. And, oh, and we yeah. were talking about climbing and hanging and yeah. I just ran my, my fingers across his hands and it was a uniform. I'd never felt anything like it. It was a callus, but it was a flexible uniform covering. It was just part of his hands that made it so that he could be a little monkey. Yeah, it's it's dense too. Like we were tapping our calluses because right if you if you just flick your skin, it's just like thud thud thud. But if it's a callus, it there it's tighter, so it, like it bounces off. It's like almost like a thin plastic shell, like a flexible, like a soft shell crab. Almost <laughs> just kind of gross, but like that. You get a bunch of people that have those together and then do like an acapella number. You know mm-hmm. where you're kind of like beating on them, sort of a Toto's Africa, Toto's yeah, Africa played in callus. <laughs> <laughs> we need twelve hundred people to yeah. get every single note. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Okay, so should we talk about? Okay, I have an idea actually okay. because I'm very interested in your take on skin. If you were going to write a dating profile online for skin, <laughs> what qualities would you want to highlight so that nobody would, you know, swipe the wrong direction on skin? What do we want to know about our buddy's skin? Well, first, we have to say it's younger than it actually is, right? It's like, skin is somewhere between 20 and 29. (laughs) 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 Just so it's just so it it could get a date. But anyway, um, well, I think like the functions of skin, 
you know, if you just go to the Wikipedia basic functions of skin, it's part of your immune system, right? It's that first defense for germs. It also is a major sensory input organ. Um, so I can push on your skin. Everyone can touch their skin right now and you can feel that, but you can also um, lightly, you can lightly brush the area on top of your skin where there is no skin, but you'll be moving hair around. So your hair then moves the skin. So that's the, that's the interesting thing about loads to the skin is they don't only come via a direct exchange. The hair, if you move the hair, the hair moves the skin and that too is movement to the skin. So maybe that'll um, come out later when we're talking about hair. That's why they're so difficult to separate because you can clearly see when you're moving the skin directly, but it's harder to see when you're moving the skin because of the bending and the movement of the hairs. And then there's also the movement of the hairs that come from the muscles, um, the erector pili muscles that are inside your skin. So that's moving the skin simply because the skin is, you know, essentially containing these muscles and then the hair is moving, which is then moving the skin and the muscles. So it, it gets, it gets a little muddled, but also like, what, so for, as far as movement, like movement is my area that I work with. And so like, I'm really fascinated by things to the skin. Like if your hands or your feet get wet, they get a little pruney, right? Are you familiar with prune hands? Yes. That it's increasing the traction of your hands. So like, you know, right. So if you are, you know, you get, um, like rain tires, I mean, I guess all tires are supposed to be rain tires, but there's tires that, um, handle better in the rain because they have deeper traction that's flinging the water. Right. So that's what they've figured out that pruning is for is your skin sensing the environment and adapting in, in, a, in, a, you know, within a minute or 17 or 40, however long you've been in the hot tub, you know, and that it shifts the shape so that you can still have traction, even in wet situations, which I felt like that's huge. That's actually, that's a shift in shape that your skin is able to do to handle the environment. So it's, it's a highly adaptable, um, organ. So there's that. It's, we are right? so cool. We are very we are cool. so cool. We are very cool. Um, but it also changes color, right? So yeah, you've got, like it's there's um, you know, and there's so much interesting stuff out right now with sun exposure. You know, we've we've kind of gone from we've kind of re, like seriously decreased our light exposure because of being inside, and then we have like this short term adaptation of skin to to burn and then peel off because it doesn't take much energy to um, maintain more pigmentation if you're rarely out in the light. But if you go out into the light more frequently, then you have this adaptation where your skin is going to to darken a little bit and affect its relationship with the light so that you don't have to go through the burning and peeling process. So I just think of it as like this highly intelligent, (laughs) highly adaptable tissue that surrounds your body that again, most movements are going to pass through your hands and your feet. It has the ability to thicken and essentially increase your ability to move well through an environment. So I just find it fascinating, fascinatingly underrepresented or 
thought about, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, like, most of us, we think about skin, we think, like, shaving, sunscreen, stretch marks, you know, blemishes, wrinkles. It's more appearance-related than functional, but, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, we're shapeshifters. Woo! I know we are. Like, we watch X-Men, we're like, that would be so rad. It's like, dude, it's rad right now. Go sit in the bath mystique. for 17 You are minutes. mystique. <laughs> we're mystique. Oh, my gosh. We totally are. Oh. I'm not all the time, as long as I'm in the bath. <laughs> or in the sun. I'm so psyched about my newfound superpower. Yeah. Know. Okay, so here's where the whole thing started with me while I I mean, I was talking about skin uh for every woman's guide to foot pain relief, but with hair, someone posted on Facebook the source of all genius thoughts was an article about Native Americans having to, who were excellent trackers before they went into the Vietnam War, but then upon having to get the military cut, they lost their tracking ability. So it was like a huge article. And, and I, you know, I read it and I'm like, I've always been interested in hair. I've always been interested in um, erector pili muscles, why hair is more concentrated in certain locations of the body, you know, how the effects of like, I'm always thinking in terms of load. So what about short hair versus long hair, you know, if we're in a world where you don't have, um, you know, access to major cutting tools, like how does it change the loads to everything? Cause like, you know, you've got hair, but it's hanging on your skin, which is hanging on your connective tissue, which is hanging on your bone. So there's loads, there are loads to your head from having a huge head of hair or just how you wear your hair. Like, right. you know, anybody that's had a tight bun will tell you that you get cranky and a headache and yeah. like, you know, I used to have dreadlocks and, and um, it would just, it was a constant awareness and pull. You had dreadlocks, like long ones? I had long dreadlocks. Come on, pictures in the show notes. No, <laughs> I, or at least send me one. Lily send me one. Like, and I, and I had a shaved head, so I could clearly, there's clearly a difference in the, yeah. You're having a the loads. crisis. <laughs> you know what we should do is dreadlocks on one side and bald on the other side, and we'll do some data collection. Because I, you know, your head. You shifts. go ahead and volunteer for that. You go ahead and volunteer. <gasps> that was my my one pun. So I think that I think that hair is fascinating in that there's clear there's clearly uh, large roles for hair. Whether or not we think about them is a different matter, but it doesn't mean that they don't exist just because we don't really think about them. So, okay, well, I have an idea. Okay, because this is so huge, we are not going to be able to do just one show, um, and it's skin and hair. So maybe let's just kind of work on skin for a while. Yeah, we can do like whatever you whatever you are thinking is fine with yeah, me. Because I, I don't want to lose any of these awesome things that people have asked or things we want to know. So we might have to come back to this. Sure, we'll just do what we can today. Um, so I suppose the good thing to do would be to just maybe talk about natural loads to the skin. Sure. Well, I think natural, I mean, if, so I, we talked about this in the, when I went to the MoveNat retreat, so this is in the MoveNat show, you know, I've, I've written a lot of blog posts on foot, skin and hand skin and how to improve the strength of your skin, right? So it mostly comes down to dynamic surfaces. If you're wearing shoes and you have a couple calluses, it's because the way that you use your feet in those shoes, there's only a couple points of pressure. So when you walk out on cobblestones or, you know, even the grass or the dirt or whatever, sand, you're like, what you're feeling is you're feeling more points of pressure. The shape is different underneath your foot. And so the response 
is to change your shape to match. So the shape in this case is more layers of skin at these points of pressure. Um, so there's that. And then for hand skin, you know, most of the work we do is on bars, which are very flat. So the points of pressure tend to be for those of you who've been hanging or swinging or even working out and, you know, using kettlebells or monkey bars that the points of pressure tend to be at the, the bottoms of your fingers, you know, those where most people's calluses show up those pads, right. Where they tear, rip off a callus, right. The worst Mm -hmm. thing ever, ever is to rip off a callus, see it hanging there. But if you were hanging onto a tree, that the tree itself would be like, if you just go find a branch when we're, when you're done listening, or if you're listening to this outside, which is awesome, go find a branch and just grab onto it. If you can hang fine, if not, just grab onto it really hard for like 20 seconds and then pull your hands away and you'll see that the tree is indenting your hand, right? Kind of like yeah. if you put the couch on the carpet, how that indents the carpet. Mm-hmm. But if you do that enough times then your skin thickens so that that sensation isn't painful. But in order to get that uniform callus that you find on tree climbers is to do lots of different surfaces. It's the, it's the variation of surfaces that brings about the uniformity of a callus. But when I was in the movement, and so I always thought about hands and, and feet and while the rest of me was clothed, you know, mm-hmm. and never touching, you know, never really touching the ground. Because I'm usually have my pants on when I'm out hiking. So even if I sit on the well, ground, we, one hopes. I know you. You. I, it's not that I'm not a fan of the butt callus. I just don't <laughs> live in an area where it's super kosher. But I, we were doing a lot of work transitioning from knee sitting. So I I ended up being on my knees, but being on my knees in different variations. You know, rolling to one side, being on one knee, and and just kind of scooting around and doing all this floor shifting. And by the end of three days, I had a knee callus. Well, and you were in the, were you in the sand primarily? I was in the sand, right. So it's, so it's different than being, going, oh yeah, I do that, you know, at my, at my studio or mm-hmm. wherever. Like that's, that's one level of callus in the same way that you'll get a certain type of callus with bars. But when you're doing that stuff over natural terrain, it really changes the formation of the callus. So I just, there's that calluses, those calluses that develop in areas of repetitious loading. So anything that you would expect to be in contact with the surface more often, hands, feet, but knees would probably be thicker naturally. But then there's all these other loads to the skins, like just scratches, right? Just if you, we were, we just got done um, doing a four day gate workshop here. And a lot of it involved natural, natural walking, natural meaning off of a trail, right? Because if you're on, even if you're out in nature, if you're on a trail, that trail isn't natural. That trail is, again, it's a, it's a man-made repetitive use kind of injury <laughs> to the, to that woods where you're walking through. When you walk off, you get a lot more scratches. Like there's a lot, there's many more loads to your skin through interacting with things that have not been removed for your ease of walking pleasure. And so those are loads to the skin. So your skin, you know, becomes stronger. I guess I'm using stronger in a maybe, maybe literal, but but maybe also not. Like it just, it becomes more used to, you become more used to having your skin um, scratched and, and then you, you build in response to those regular loads. So there's just like, that's the natural loads to the skin, but then also 
And after I actually started doing that because you mentioned that once, I can't remember if it was in a blog post or something else that you'd written or said, but you were talking about, you know, getting your legs scratched by brambles and all this stuff and that it triggered um, an immune response, you know, just kind of made well, it heal, right? It's yeah, heal. exactly. And so I started doing that in the first, you know, couple times off the trail, you get very annoyed when nettles and all this stuff is scratching your legs and, and dry grass, but pretty soon it actually kind of feels good. And like now I enjoy walking into the grass in shorts. I, I don't get annoyed. I don't get irritated. I just, it's just kind of fun. I suggest everybody give it a try at least a few times. Well, and that, I guess that brings like skin is lousy with, um, lousy meaning a lot. Skin has a lot of mechano sensors because it's a highly sophisticated sensory organ. I mean, you could you could tell the difference. I mean, like the, I think this original um, article that I posted, which was a research study was they're trying to figure out like skin, you can sense like rate the difference between sizes of raindrops and like whatnot. Like you, there are, there's so many receptors there that your acuity, I think acuity is the best word. Your acuity of sensation is very high relative to the skin. And so this brings up for me thinking of mechanotransduction, which is like how the cells are going to alter their behavior based on loads. What is the role of sensory input in maintaining the health of the body, not just of the skin, but of the, of the entire body. And so then I, then you start thinking about, there's a lot of research on touch therapy, massage therapy, but it's really hard to, when you're looking at the benefits of massage to break up what's a benefit that's coming simply from the touch to the skin? Is there a deeper pressure that's a benefit? Like you're, you're doing it all at the same time. So with, as, as far as research goes, it's hard to figure out exactly where the benefit is coming from. But touch itself is, you know, touch is a natural phenomenon. So that's a natural load to the skin, not even thinking about how hard or how soft. But um, there's, a, there's a, a woman who's, I cannot think of her name, I'll see if I can find it um, for the show notes. Who is looking at, you know, being primates that grooming, all like all over grooming, this kind of all over touch is a normal load, is an is a natural load. And so what is the frequency of touch that we really require? Where where what is the location of touch that we require. So we think about like humans touch, like we hold hands, like there's, there's intimate touches, but over the course of the day, there's very little touching. And then within subgroups of humans right now, there's even less touching. Like I would say that children get touched more than maybe adults and that adult women, I think there's like studies that show that there's a lot more just touching. Like if I'm, if I'm talking to you, I'm going to be rubbing your shoulder, smacking your cheeks, you know, kicking in the knees. (laughs) But if you're talking, are you just talking like touch human to human or touch? Like you're going through, um, you know, the woods and stuff's rubbing. No, I'm talking about human to human touch that, that there's a human to human. Can you hear my cat? You have a cat. I have a new cat. And I got a, the cat got somehow locked in my door. Hold on. Give me one second. Sorry. sorry. I think it needs to go to the bathroom. Hold on. Okay. I'm letting you out. Come on. These are new rescue cats that we took off someone's hand. I'm not a fan of pets, but I'm 
hosting them for a little while. And um, one is not, just came out of the bed after being at her house for two days and now decided in the middle of the podcast that it needs to get out to go to the bathroom. It was my fantastic newscaster voice that drew her out. <laughs> like, what is this? Something is clearly significant and important going on. Um, okay, so let me go back to what was I talking about? I was talking about, oh, so human to human touch, where there is actual, you know, like brambles. Those are a few scratches. But if you, I think of when, when you're trying to figure out the benefit of touch and you think of your body like a carpet that has to be vacuumed, you know, you're, when you vacuum a carpet, you don't leave anything ungroomed. But, but if you're looking at other primates, primates groom like that, right? They are grooming. So much of your skin is being touched. I've always been interested in the fact that mammals, when they're born, you know, the mothers will lick the other the baby's clean so that I'm going, well, I wonder if there's a, an initial kickoff or benefit to this interaction that it's not only about them being getting clean, but that it's kind of like a vacuum stimulation between two organisms, right? There's nothing, there's no fake or artificial thing in between the two. So these are all the questions that I constantly hold in my head regarding skin because it's so it's so involved in the natural world it's significantly less involved in the modern world and then given the newer research on just how loads to the skin and to the hair so then now we talk about like how does shaving like what about someone shaving totally like how is that going to affect the loads because if i'm going to if I'm going to be, we got so many questions about hair removal. I know hair, like that's the big thing. So hair removal is a, you know, a totally modern thing. And it's coming from a place of maybe not considering that hair um, is going to move the skin. And when you remove the hair, you're removing even more loads. Like if if you imagine, like, say you're not even being touched and you're not walking through brambles, but a breeze comes through and blows your hair, that is a load to the skin. Um, in addition to, I'm not even talking about the response to the temperature. I'm just talking about the bends of the hair, like, like blades of grass or stalk of wheat being deformed, right? So you think of the hairs on your body constantly being moved back and forth because of a breeze um, and you shave, that's going to be gone. If you think of moving through the water and all, all those bends and loads to the hair being gone means a decreased input to the skin. Skin. This the the wind is still going to blow on the skin, um, so there's that. But your hair follicle was also an independent load to the skin outside of the wind blowing directly on the skin. So that's missing. And I was just I'm reading an article today on bats, you know, and and they've figured out that there's that bat hairs. I think it's on their flying membranes. Not that you have to know that anatomy, but that the hairs are airflow indicators and that they, so as the bat is flying or moving through the air, they're being bent in a particular way that then is communicating directly with the brain of the, um, uh, I wanted to say mouse, bat, in the same way that bending our hairs and moving our hairs communicates directly with our brain. And that if you shave, man, what we do for science, if you shave, those bad hairs, it can't fly or it flies and it flies in an altered, poor way. So think about that, you know, like am, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's just kind of those things like we don't even know what our body does, but we're, we're, we're good at, you know, eliminating 
large chunks of it. You well, know? then there's the alternate absence of movement is just say you keep your hair and you don't shave it, but you're never out in the elements, you know, so there's no, no wind brushing by your hair or. Uh, yeah. I don't, I think that, you know, again, we try to separate it. It's all separated for the purpose of investigation but I mean, we're already talking about like being inside is already affecting the loads to your whole body, including your skin, including the muscles that regulate your temperature by lifting and lowering the hairs of your skin, right? So hair is part of your heat, it's believed to be part of your heat regulation process, but it's not that it's just there. I think people think, oh, I have hair. So then that keeps me warm. It's really that, you know, about the air being trapped under the hair. And also that those hairs are movable, that there's muscle moving the hairs up and down to optimize your heat-saving geometry. And then also is there heat that comes from the movement of those hairs, right? The shunting of blood to the trillions of muscle that you have throughout your skin. It just goes... So like if somebody did, you know, laser removal versus... Because isn't laser removal, I'm not entirely educated in this, but this is like does something to the follicle, I think. I don't even know. I have no idea. But but then you've got that versus shaving. You know, I mean, there's so many different variables on how you can be affecting your sensory input organ. Yeah, there it's organs. It's organs. You know, and humans have been, you know, humans have been messing with their body, you know, for as long as National Geographic has been out. So... <laughs> And probably before. So I don't think it's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, we're, we are attempting to solve lots of problems, not you and I, but, but like mankind right now is thoroughly investigating. Um, They're looking for solutions, but um, I talked, I don't know where I, I, maybe it was on this podcast, but you know, Diane Fossey is like, if you're trying to figure out how to save, she's talking about gorillas. You have to know their baseline of behavior. You have to know what they're supposed to be eating, how they're supposed to be mating, what's their communal living like. You have to know all these things before you can start troubleshooting why they're not doing so well. And we've kind of jumped to troubleshooting, but we really don't spend very much time investigating the actual baseline requirements. And so we talk about humans as social creatures, creatures that touch, creatures that have hair, Um, creatures that eat a particular way and move a particular way, that all of these questions are really um, part of establishing a baseline for what it is that humans need. And that's what I'm most interested in. If you you remember the article or the author of that article about the human touch thing, let me know so we can try and get it in show notes because that's, I think that'd be good. Yeah. And um, also just, I guess, so our faithful listeners know, we we keep talking about show notes. They are coming. They're not. At, we're <laughs> totally not making this up. We're, we're just talking like, just put it in the show notes. They're in the cloud. <laughs> What's the cloud? <laughs> I don't even know. That's another show. But um, the show notes are all in the process of being transcribed. And then we will have them in our on our new website that will be up later this fall, 2015. So once they're up, you'll have full transcripts of all of the shows that you have listened to links to your heart's desire. So we, um, we apologize for not. (laughs) Oh no. Well, everybody's, everybody's been patient and we we get lots of emails about, uh, these show notes, where are they? They're like in my house, just drive on over. And that's why you keep moving. You keep moving so that no one can catch up with the show notes. I I don't have to deliver. (laughs) I'm in Colorado now. Oh wait, I'm in New York city. No, do not move to New York I'm moving to Turkey next month. Um, (laughs) Please don't ask me about the show notes again. They're packed up. Uh, curious about calluses, back to calluses, if we may, for a second. 
Um, did you, so you were fascinated with your, your knees after, yeah. after hoobity doobity and the move not thing. Have you attempted to kind of keep that going on? No, no. Because I mean, I just, it's not, it's not part of my, you know, anything I do, the movements, I do them fine still, but I don't do them on sand. Like I'm not seeking, I'm not actively seeking knee calluses. It's just not on my priority list, but I am actively seeking um, hand calluses. And I think my foot calluses are good because I just got a, a massage, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago and she's like rubbing my feet and she was like, um, she's like, something tells me you spend a lot of time barefoot mm-hmm. and they were clean. So I know it wasn't the filth. So yeah, it's um, just that weird. Can I actually, should I actually tap? Should I tap my callus so you can hear it? Do your best. Yeah. Okay. Well, this Don't is, knock the mic over. I won't. Hold on. Holy something. Could you hear that? I could. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of, they're tappity tap. They're like tap shoes. Didn't your husband get accidentally lose all his, oh, like, my goodness. somebody. Yeah. He didn't accidentally. Like, where my calluses go? Yeah. He, Dang it. He was, Are these in Danny's closet in Turkey? What's going on here? He was in Thailand. <laughs> With the show notes. Trying to find the show notes. Yes. And he, he was actually at, he was at a, a Thai massage school. And so they, um, part of it was receiving, you know, a lot of massage. And so he had gotten an appointment and had had a full massage. And they also, they also do like, they kind of like put pedicure foot health is like a big deal. So, so he had a massage and he was kind of asleep and she was working on his feet and he was just kind of, you know, like, uh, and then he got, got up to realize that she had cut off all of his calluses. Then he's been walking bare. I mean, he had been walking barefoot wow. since a teenager. So on, on. That must have been a deep sleep. Oh, the, the guy sleeps. The guy totally sleeps. Um, yeah. I can't even, I can't, I can't. Like the cat meows in five rooms over. I'm like, what is, what? He's had his whole foot removed. He's had a quarter inch of his foot removed and he has had no idea. That's the difference between us. Um, but yes. And so he, he couldn't, his gait was altered. That was, that was the biggest thing. When I was riding whole body barefoot is when he was telling me that story. And he said it was, I mean, it was crazy because he had had calluses. This callus had been growing since he was like 16. So adaptation, adaptation is the addition or removal of body parts. So like if you have a callus, it's because you have added more parts to your foot. Those parts, while he just lay down over 45 minutes, were removed. So his whole gait pattern depends on those. The whole way he carries his weight depends on the sensation of the weight and the calluses were part of his gait and they were instantly removed. And it was like he was hobbling because now the bones were pressing this brand new soft um, part into the, to the ground. And it was like all of a sudden walking over glass. It would be like the equivalent to someone going from being shod to unshod. He went from calloused to being uncalloused and uh, it took him, I think over a year to, to be a back to walking where he was walking before. So if calluses form, you know, we're talking about the points of pressure and you change your shape to accommodate those points of pressure. Remember in the fashion show when we talked about how clothes push in on our bodies? Mm-hmm. And like if somebody wears, just say a man wears the same black pair of dress socks every day for his working career, 40 years, and every night he comes home and takes those off, there's an indentation from those socks. How come... 
a callus doesn't form with that kind of pressure? I don't know, um, is the, the easiest answer. It might have something to do with load, um, meaning like you're weight bearing, you know, it'd be the same thing as like, it's not just about pressure. It's about the amount of pressure. So like, if you take your hand, if you look where the calluses form, you know, you figure where the calluses form right there um, at the base. If you just push on it all day, that's different than hanging your full body weight from it. So if something underneath your foot, underneath your full weight is different than, you know, lightly squeezing a little bit so that it probably has to do with just the fact that the load isn't enough to, to warrant, like your body's always making a, an, an energetic cost, right? You know, if it didn't have to grow and support more tissue on the foot, it would opt to do that. But there's a certain point in which coping with the load is easier just by adding some more mass that it's energetically less expensive to grow and maintain the mass and whatever it else has to do to deal with the discomfort. So I imagine with socks, it's just not, the trade-off isn't there. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Just was curious about that. Wow. Well, look at that. We're almost yep. at Bye. time. I know. <laughs> we're, it's time to shape shift. Uh, we're almost at time and there's so much. Well, we should definitely do an, another talk on, I mean, we could talk more about hair as best as I could, but it's kind of, it's just the same thing. I mean, the, the answer to most questions are, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and, and it depends, but as far as I think it's just to open the discussion. It's to open the wonder. It's to open the wonder in our own minds. You know, it's just, we, we've written so many things off as, oh, we got this. We know, but there's so much to anatomy. And there um, is, like and when, you know, that question, the trick question, what's the largest organ in the body? And people are like, my liver. And then the answer says, it's your skin. And you're like, what, what? Yeah. And, and that's a mind blowing thing. But then when you really give credence to what everything that is involved yeah. With the skin, that's the wonder maker or whatever you called it. I mean, I don't know. Open wonder, create wonder, wonder maker. That's that really, I guess, would be a good purpose of this show is just, you know, start thinking about your skin. Yeah. And that and and and, and don't and think it's of, role in movement, I guess. Yeah. I mean, right. Like just just and also your role in other things, right? Like the studies on massage and the benefits of touch aren't really movement related. They're happiness related they are anxiety related to show that there's a change in your you know not just your physiological state but your psychological state you know we, again those are two separate words that like it's your body your body is changed for these things so if you are if you're not feeling well you know keep your mind open to be investigating many of these channels to you know potential improvement oh thank you for making us think about skin you're welcome should we call it? Let's do an air high five. Give me some skin. Ah! <laughs> All right. Um, let's call it. Let's Go. call it. Thanks for listening. For more information, books, online classes, etc., you can find Katie Bowman at katiesays.com. You can learn more about me, Danny Hemmett, movement warrior and former dreadlock wrangler at moveyourbodybetter.com. See you later. Bye. Bye. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. 